Sit back and relax. Bridal Bliss provides brides-to-be with the confidence, calm and insight that leads to a once-in-a-lifetime wedding day. Bridal Bliss is the podcast for brides who seek a joyful wedding journey. Here's your host, the founder of the Bridal Bliss community, David Bartholomews. So welcome along to the show today, everyone, and thanks for listening in. I'm really excited because today we're speaking with the number one wedding MC in South Australia, according to the most recent Australian Bridal Industry Academy survey of brides, Mr. Ben Ford from DJ Ben Events. Ben, welcome to the show. Hi, David. How are you? Very well, thank you. That's good. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. It is my pleasure too. So thanks for joining us on the show. I just wanted to kick off with the question that I've been asking all of the wedding masters so far in the series, which is, Mm. you were declared number one in the MC category for the Bridal Industry Association. So why do you believe that you're number one as a wedding MC? What is it that sets you apart? Well, firstly, it was a uh, it was a great honour to receive that that accolade. I didn't ever sort of consider myself to be number one, so when I got that award, it was wonderful. I certainly have uh, a big belief in the service that I provide, and I think that really at the end of the day, it's all about giving that great experience every time. So when a bridal couple book me to primarily DJ and then MC their wedding as well, it's just making sure that every time you do a wedding, it is the absolute best that you can do it. There are occasions that I walk away at the end of the night kind of being a bit hard on myself and thinking, yeah, things just didn't seem to gel as well. But surprisingly enough, a couple of days later, you get an email from the bride saying that you know she and her husband have had the best night of their life and they would happily recommend you to everyone else. And so I think um, you know it's easy to be hard on yourself, but the fact that um, I think people were obviously seeing me as I suppose, yeah, number one in that area, I'm honoured and it's a really, really nice thing. But at the end of the day, I suppose, having done this for more than 20 years, I think it's just keeping that consistent, good, high quality in everything you do. And that all comes down to as well as just having great manners, great customer service, and just being in general a great positive person. I, I can't stand negativity. I'm always pretty upbeat. And I think that obviously comes through in my, um, in my services as well. Certainly the reports back from brides and I have to say it was such a pleasure to be at the Bridal Industry Awards this year and when they were doing the reading out the finalists and everything for this award and then just seeing you know, all the great uh, wedding DJs and MCs that had entered that category and then when your name got read out to see every single one of the other people in the category just stand up and give you a standing ovation. It was actually yeah. so nice because you know as you point out there's lots of people that are good at this and mm. You know, it was just so wonderful to see the acknowledgement of your consistent effort to continuously mm. be improving as an MC as well. It was very pleasing well, to me to see not only your surprise, but also the reaction of your peers to say, yes, that is a, that is a just reward for the work that well, you've Thank you. That's very kind of you, David. Thank you. I mean, the, I think for me, it was certainly a huge sigh of relief because one thing I do quite openly tell bridal couples that are talking, talking to me about my services is that I say, some some of the ones that come to me and say, "Hey, look, we've seen the uh, the awards that you won. We've heard about this additional MCing element that you bring to weddings. It sounds like the kind of thing that we want." Down the track, I'm usually fairly honest, and I say, "Look, believe it or not, the MCing side of things I've only been doing for about five years. I was the DJ that back in the day for many many years was just quite happy to stand in the corner and not be known, but." 
then I started to see a, a giant element of the night that I could really uh, bring a lot of extra excitement to through him seeing and started doing that. And uh, sure enough, I saw the changes happening. So when I then got acknowledged for that on a national level at those awards, I was literally in shock when it happened. I was relieved but shocked. I couldn't believe that I'd actually finally been recognized on that level as the best. And I was like, wow, this is, yeah, this is insane. I was I think to a certain extent I'm still coming to terms with it and it's four or five months later. <laughs> well, yeah, it's great to see that acknowledgement coming to the industry to you. Mm. And I guess that leads me on to the next question, which is, you know, there's a lot of people that do DJ MCing in weddings for, you know, between sort of three to ten years and they get tired of it, but you've been at this for 23 years. Hmm. Why are you so into the wedding, DJing and MCing side of things? And what, what keeps you going with that? What keeps your enthusiasm? Um, I think just in general, I'm just, a, it's the kind of personality that I have. Like I've, I'm a very upbeat, positive kind of person. I, I get sort of comments from people that know me well and also people that have only just met me that that they like the vibe that I send out. I'm always positive. I'm always kind of cracking jokes, uh, just making sort of silly comments. If anyone starts kind of talking about anything kind of negative, I don't really join in on those conversations. I'm just kind of one of those people that would prefer to be con- constantly positive. And I think that I show that when I'm DJing and MCing, I move around a, a, the room a lot. I, I hardly ever or pretty well never sit down while I'm at work, um, always moving around, always making, trying to make guests feel happy and relaxed and welcome. I really do these days kind of promote myself as more of a host, which is kind of the the title that the, uh, I suppose the banner that upholds the DJing and the MCing together. And it, that is playing that central kind of person that's separate to the bride and groom in the room. I don't really want the guests to be bothering them with silly questions. It's great for them to go up and say hello and, and, and congratulate them and so on. But if they've got questions and queries and all that sort of stuff, they I make it very well known. They can come to me or, um, or the venue. And I think it's also just basically, yeah, once again, promoting in almost everything I do, not even just at my work, but just in my daily life, like happiness and positivity. And uh, I think it's a fairly well-known fact that people like that quality in people. And if you're a, a positive and a happy person, I think people also see that as you're approachable. And at the end of the day, I think that's probably the kind of person that most bridal couples plus anyone in this kind of industry want to be associated with. So I think that's probably why it is that I've kind of always done so well is that I'm just always positive. I've had plenty of times over the years where I've been DJing events and it's been late and yes, I'm tired like any other person would be at uh, two or three in the morning, but I don't show it. I just keep smiling and keep bopping away and I know that once the music's over, I can kind of then go and sit down and go, crikey, I'm tired. (laughs) But while I'm in front of a crowd that are enjoying my services and one and in front of clients that are paying me to be there, I do my best not to show that because it just it's not the kind of vibe I want to be sending out. Now, you've talked a lot about all the different sort of styles and approaches that you take to DJing and MCing at people's weddings hmm. and I think to DJing in general. I just wanted to ask a very specific subset here of, of a question, which is you've know, talked about all the sort of the qualities that you bring what are the qualities that you think that you bring to MCing that make you different to everyone else who's doing that kind of service for weddings? 
I think that one of the things that I remember sort of feeling and seeing a turning point in my emceeing abilities probably three or four years ago, I'd firstly taken a big step myself in kind of breaking the mould within myself of being the DJ that was in the corner, no one knew about, no one even knew my name. I was there just to kind of concentrate on making people dance. But when I decided to really start to um, overcome what was actually a fear at the time of getting up in front of a crowd of people, of 100 people at a wedding, you know, new crowd every weekend, and introducing myself and kind of letting everyone know, hi, I'm Ben, how are you going? And just kind of taking the reins of the night to run it. And it's basically just trying to find a way to grab their attention in a calm and authoritative kind of way, I suppose, at the start of the night and make them feel relaxed in trusting that this person that is speaking to them on the microphone is going to run the night with a lot of flair and fun, but also on a professional level as well. You've only really got that one opportunity to make that first impression good, as everyone knows in life. And uh, getting up in front of a crowd and having to give them that trust that you have got this night under control and that, hey, we're going to have a great time, we're going to have lots of fun, there's going to be games, there's going to be opportunities for you guys to get involved and really open the night with that real warm and welcoming feeling. I mean, that's one thing I do at the start of the night that's, uh, I think, one of the, definitely one of my strong points. And then once you've got the crowd to kind of trust that, yes, this guy is going to be running this night and, hey, this is going to be a lot of fun, it is basically just interacting and engaging the crowd consistently throughout the night. So, I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've been at other weddings where there have been the DJ and they have just stood in the corner and, and done their thing. And that's, that was what I was doing five years ago. But to me, that wasn't enough. To me, the next step was to be out there in amongst the guests and talking to them and finding out about not only song requests, but, you know, even how their night's going and just being, I think, a genuine person and actually uh, talking to the uh, wedding guests and just uh, making them feel relaxed and happy and making sure that everyone's uh, having a great time. So it's just basically that constant interaction with the guests, and um, that's probably about it, really. <laughs> now, you mentioned that although you've been a DJ for nearly a quarter of a century, wow, that's quite a long mm, time. Put it um, like that, you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That you've only actually been emceeing for about five years. Mm. And, you know, in that time, you've gone from basically not doing it to number one in the States. So mm. clearly you've put some effort in, but also presumably you've had some training. And I was just really interested for our listeners to know who actually trained you and gave you that foundational training in emceeing. So funnily enough, would you believe I've actually not had any specific training? What I have had, though, is lots of external influences. And these are influences that, funnily enough, when I was receiving them, I wasn't even really aware that I was actually going to be utilizing them. So back in the day when I was DJing, I used to do a lot of pub and club work in the Adelaide scene and I'd almost always have an MC by my side. And there was something about the fact that these guys were just flawless and so relaxed in what they were doing that I was very inspired a lot of the time just to kind of keep a real keen ear on what they were saying, never thinking to myself that it was something I was going to use myself down the track. But obviously, I had listened in and learned enough stuff over the years that when it came to me actually getting up in front of a crowd with a microphone, I took a lot of the stuff that these guys used to do. And a lot of the stuff was 
and probably the one major thing that's really had a huge influence on me was something that I learned off a very good friend of mine, Sam Mack, who's doing lots of stuff on TV at the moment. And one of his things he once said to me when I quizzed him about, you know, how is it that you're so flawless and so easygoing and so relaxed and so confident with getting up in front of a crowd of 500 people and kind of doing something silly? Don't you ever get afraid that it's going to fail? And his theory, which I have taken away, is that you may as well try something because if it falls flat on its face and fails, in inverted commas, no one's going to remember beyond about five seconds. So something, there was something in that that the way that he said it to me, I think I really took from, and it gave me that confidence to step out from behind my console, step out amongst the wedding guests and onto the dance floor and go, hi, guys, I've got a crazy idea. Let's run this game. Let's play this funny segment. Let's do this. Let's do that. And sure, there have been times over the years where I've run something and <laughs> it's gone a bit pear-shaped and it hasn't turned out how I wanted, but I just haven't let it get to me. I've just realized that, you know what, these things happen. We're all human. At the end of the day, the wedding guests and the bride and groom have been able to laugh it off and go, ah, ha, ha, ah, well, that was still fun. And if that's what they're saying, then your job is still done. You know, you've still achieved some excitement. You've still achieved some fun. And you've thrown something into the mix that the guests didn't expect, which in most cases is, is only going to be a good thing. And then I have a big belief that if the wedding guests have all these extra surprises and fun elements in a wedding reception, it's going to increase the chances of them walking out at the end of the night saying, wow, that is the best wedding reception we've ever been to because it was different from every other, everyone we've been. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That was actually really interesting. I, I wasn't aware of all of that and, and mm. the depth and nuance of, of the thought that you put into it and mm. how that all came together. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. I actually, I actually learned some good touchstones for use for yeah. myself. I think the other thing that's probably worth adding as well is that the uh, – well, there's two things I can think of. My father – was actually a school teacher and also coached debating and public speaking at school. And funnily enough, when I went through high school and he was teaching at the school that I was at, I wasn't interested in that myself. I did attempt to do debating and completely like dismally failed at it. But I think that possibly just even his slight little influences on me as a father probably gave me some sort of um, confidence in how to speak in front of a crowd and how to have the confidence to actually project myself into a situation where I don't know people and go, hi, how are you going? I'm Ben, you know, this is what I'm aiming to do. So that when I actually came to a situation where I needed to professionally show what I could do, I think I just had that slight kind of background knowledge. The other thing as well that I have always felt as though I've taken some influence from is the fact that my sense of humor and my style of comedy that I like comes from influence of people with very, very large personalities. So I very much have always liked things like Monty Python. I've always liked crazy personalities like Robin Williams, Russell Brand, people that are, that are able to get up in front of a crowd and just flawlessly grab their attention and, and hold on to it. And I actually think that those kind of guys have also influenced me. I'm not trying to get up and be a stand-up comic, but what I am trying to do is get up in front of a crowd and in a positive manner grab a group of people's attention and hold that. And I think over the years now that I've done, you know, a couple of hundred weddings uh, where I'm now emceeing, I've just, you know, I've grabbed this, these ideas and really refined my craft so that now it comes second nature. I absolutely love it. 
So we've been talking a lot about the people and personalities that have influenced you and your style, but I think it's also a fair statement to make that you are a strong influencer of brides as well, that the wedding community generally is very quick to direct brides towards you for thoughts and advice and help. Mm. And so I was wondering if you could share for our listeners a, a couple of things I wanted to ask about. And the first one was... You talk to thousands of brides, literally, you know, over the years, you've talked to so many brides and you've seen their journey from being engaged right through to the wedding day and how that goes. What have you noticed are the biggest waste of a bride's time, the things that they spend a lot of time on that in hindsight, when you actually look at what they end up doing, don't actually make a huge amount of difference at the end of the day? I think, David, to be honest, one of the main things that definitely come to my mind straight away is just the idea that brides will start looking at options for suppliers, whether it's DJs or venues or, um, well, anything really, and they start thinking that cutting corners with finances and budgets and stuff is a good idea. That always worries me because I'm a big believer that you get what you pay for and if you pay for peanuts, you get monkeys. So the theory behind that is is that every product or every supplier, I suppose, that you engage with, you should expect that their prices will reflect their services. You know, you you pay more expensive to have the better wedding dress because it's the one that's got that good reputation as being something that all other brides would like. You know, you pay for better venues because they're the ones that have won the awards over the years that have consistently provided those fantastic wedding receptions and have received rave reviews for 20 plus years and at the end of the day I do understand that finances probably does play a big part in a wedding reception but you know if you can afford to stretch your budget just that little bit more for the reputable suppliers it is definitely a good move because the ones that are successful are successful for a reason they haven't just popped up overnight They've generally had years and years experience and on top of the experience, they've also had years and years of positive, great reviews from past bridal couples. I understand that everyone needs a place to start out, but there's also a couple of suppliers in particular and yes, I might be biased. I might be thinking that uh, the DJ or at least the entertainment is one of the most important, but I still believe that the person that is kind of the, the puppeteer, I suppose you could say, behind the atmosphere of the room is going to be the entertainer, the DJ, the band, the MC. And if they are no good at what they do and if they give off you know, a negative vibe and if they're rude to clients when they come up and ask for a quest or if they swear on the microphone or if they are sloppy or if their gear fails, all these things that can happen, it is definitely not the kind of thing that any DJ would want against their reputation. So I think that basically it's one huge mistake you can make is thinking that You can save yourself a couple of hundred dollars, uh, as an example, on getting someone that is a little bit on the cheaper side, but keep in mind that there's probably a reason why they're not as expensive as someone else, and you've just got to weigh up whether or not you're willing to take that risk. I've just heard so many stories, and uh, I would never, ever want on any bride to be sort of cutting corners and then then to change their mind when it's too late, you know, when they've had their wedding reception and songs have stopped halfway through or the microphone has stopped working or there's countless things that can go wrong. Uh, The good suppliers and in 
particular the DJs will bring backup equipment they'll bring a second or a third microphone they'll bring the second the third and in my case the fourth laptop in their bag it may never get used but it's definitely there as a means of you know what if that main one fails I'll just pull this one out and we'll keep going and if it means two minutes of of dead air with no music that's much better than a whole night with no music because the laptop has failed. That was intense. Thank you for mm. sharing that. That That's was right. really cool. <laughs> That's right. I hope I'm, I'm not giving you too much information. Or, no, no, this is great. Uh, this, is, so, this is brilliant. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it, this is for people listening to yep. get an insight into the way that we see things. You know, not, it's yes. not about what's right or wrong. It's about mm. talking to someone who is clearly celebrated as the most experienced person in their area. Mm. That's you. And just finding out where your head's at. And so brilliant. I'm really cool. enjoying the depth of sharing, actually. And oh, I'm sure good. the listeners will be too. So Good. The, the next side of the, the investigation that I was hoping that you could share with the audience mm. is lots of people say, oh, I just need someone to press go on some music. I can get my own person. I've got, you know, my cousin or my uncle or, or someone else can do the emceeing for me. What do you see as the pros and cons of a bride DIYing the MC side of their wedding? Well, is there any chance we can do this? We could, I could even give you these reasons with a second podcast if you wanted to. There's yeah. just so, or there's so many reasons why I think personally it is worth investing in, in getting a professional to do this job. I have on many occasions had brides come my way that are saying, "Look, we're just after a quick quote. We're after a rough price. We were going to do the wedding ourselves. We were going to do all our own music and get my brother or something to to MC." And generally, I'm fairly good, I suppose, at giving them some reasons why I personally think it's it's not a good idea. First of all, like it's a really nice thing to be able to offer the MC services and say to the bridal couples, you know, this will take the pressure off you guys and also that possible person, whether it's your brother or your uncle, to MC. Allow them to sit back and relax and enjoy the night, and allow them to not have to worry about the the pressure that's there to be the MC and to keep this night kind of flowing. You know, having someone that does it professionally, you know, 40 or 50 times a year, which is in the case of myself, means that I have refined that craft. It is something that I do week in, week out. And it's definitely a real skill to get up in front of a crowd of people that you don't know. It's a fairly well-known fact that one of the biggest fears that people can experience is public speaking. And, yeah, it's a real special thing to be able to get up in front of a crowd of people that you've never met before and have that confidence to say, Hi guys, how are you going? This is going to be a great fun night. Who's ready for a really fun big night? This is going to be absolutely crazy. And to do that in a believable and genuine way. So that's that's one side of things with the emceeing. With the other side of things with music and so on, I have talked about this before about just as much as it, se- it might seem like in your head as though grabbing your iPad or your iPhone with full of your own music and, and hitting play is a good idea. But there's so many things that can run wrong with the idea of that. You know, depending on where you've got your iPad or your iPod set up in the room on the night, you know, if guests can access that, then they probably will. And they'll probably think that suddenly they're going to go over and pretend to be a DJ and just change songs willy nilly, you know, skip songs that they don't like. And when people seem to start controlling the music, and they've had no experience doing it before, they generally seem to think that whatever they want to do, the the rest of the room will be okay with. So they'll just skip a song and think, oh, no one likes that song anyway, or well, let's repeat the song we've just heard. Everyone will love that. Or they're all drinking, they won't know any better. And your night can really turn into a complete mess 
you know, if you've got someone that you're paying to be focused on concentrating on the whole room as a general and also your own personal requests as the bridal couple, then hopefully if their reputation is good enough, they've got that reputation, they will look after the likes of the bride and groom plus also the room as a whole. And that's what they're being paid to do. And, um, yeah, there's just so many reasons why I think it is that trying to do it yourself, I mean, good on you if you can do it, but (laughs) I think it's a big call because you're basically trying to pre-work out before the night what you think your guests will want to listen to. And I am more than happy to admit that even with my experience of 23 years, I can't turn up to a wedding and know straight away what the guests will like. I can't, not after 23 years. And that's why it is that you know good DJs are great crowd readers. The whole term about reading the crowd is such a, a strong one. You've got to basically adhere to what the crowd are doing with every single song and choose your next song depending on that. So people may not realize there's actually quite a fine skill to it, but there is. And you can't, you can kind of obviously come pre-prepared with quite a few songs that you know in the back of your head are usually the crowd favorites and usually the ones that will keep people on the floor but there's actually no guarantee that they will and um, yeah you just need to kind of be prepared enough to chop and change your ideas of the next song sometimes with only 15 seconds to go of the previous one if you think that the next song is not going to suit the crowd for what they're doing right then and there and that is one thing that an iPod will never ever be able to do. So true, so true. And mm. thank you for sharing that with such passion. It's, it's really it's right. good to hear someone really quite confident and sure about the value that they add to a day. So Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. That's okay. Now, you deal with, you know, every weekend you deal with at least one bride. Some weekends I know that you actually do up to three weddings in a single weekend mm. because there's that much demand for your services that, <laughs> you know, I've even heard of brides that actually change the date of their wedding so that they can have you as the DJ. Yeah, so, that's nice. Um, yeah, it's nice when that happens, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, having talked to so many brides, have you noticed any common threads between brides that end up having a good time in how they are when you first meet them? You know, what what are those common traits that you notice in brides very early on in the process that makes Mm. you think, you know what, I'm going to really add to this wedding and I'm going to add good value, but this Mm -hmm. bride is going to have a great wedding no matter what I do. Yep. Have you noticed any attributes that you see that brides display very early on that makes you feel that way? Yeah, it's generally the brides that probably have it to sort of suppose in their nature and also just their outlook on their wedding. The brides that have the better wedding experiences are the ones that are more trusting of my suggestions. So, you know, and, but that all that comes again sort of from me. So if I can come across to them as being um, someone that is confident in my services and someone that I'm a big believer and I'm very passionate and to be honest, passion is not a, a difficult thing for me to portray because I'm just kind of like that as a person. But if I can kind of give them that trust and that belief that, you know, I've told you and I've promised you that I can take the reins of your night and run it and it's going to be crazy fun and you don't need to worry and you don't need to stress, the ones that actually take that on board and then run with it with me are generally the ones that are more relaxed and so generally as as a result of that, they're going to have a better experience. They're not going to be stressed or worried or uptight about, 
oh, what's coming up next and have we remembered everything and, and has been made all the announcements that we need. Generally, because of my experience, I know how to cover all bases and I know I have almost like a psychological checklist in my head to make sure that we do cover all areas that need to be covered. All points are made across. The guests are completely in the know with what's happening. The bride and groom are nice and relaxed. The venue are happy. And if all that is ticked off in my head, then I'm happy. And at the end of the day, yeah, the brides that generally have the better nights, I think, are the ones that get that feeling from me as though you are right. We don't need to worry and we don't need to stress because you promised us that you could run this night and and do the whole night for us and we can see that that's what you're doing. I certainly relate to that and sometimes I, I get up there and I'm feeling really, really nervous and then I just look out across the group. It might be 50 people, it might be 200 mm. and I just say to myself, has anyone else in this room done this 800 times? <laughs> and then I come back with a no mm. and then I just try and breathe and relax and trust myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's the fun of it all as well, David, is that you can't necessarily, well, no, you can't really ever be completely you don't really even know the kind of crowd that you're going to get up against. You don't even know when you get up and go, hi, guys, how are you going? My name's Ben. You don't know if you're going to get like a heckler. You don't even know if you're going to get some drunken uncle that's going to go, come on, sit down or whatever. And you have to be ready to be able to deal with that in a manner that is not threatening and not abusive, but in a lighthearted, you need to be able to kind of break your thought process of what you're just about to say. If you're just about to invite, um, invite in the bridal party or about to cut the cake, you need to be able to either know very quickly whether or not just to ignore it and let it go or whether or not you then address it in front of all the guests. It, it, it's constantly, I find the rush of all that really exciting every single weekend. <laughs> not to say I get hecklers very often, but you're getting up there proclaiming that you're going to have control of the night. And when things like that happen unexpectedly, you need to kind of show that you can keep things moving and keep things under control without get, allowing them to get out of hand. And you, you find that your brain works very, very quickly when you're in front of a 100 other people. And you have to just quickly decide whether or not to ignore what's just happened or make a joke of it and move on, which is usually the avenue that I usually go down. I usually make a bit of a laugh about it and then get the whole room to kind of have a bit of a <laughs> giggle and then move on. It's a bit of an icebreaker and it just kind of relaxes everyone else. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank mm. you. Now, one of the things that I talk to brides about a lot and that a lot of people don't necessarily really think deeply about is that a wedding is, first of all, a live experience. It's not something that can be completely structured and planned from start to finish because things happen. Mm. And secondly, that it's a collaborative exercise, that there's lots and lots of contractors working together and quite often they're not used to working together. They know their specific craft, but mm -hmm. they have to work in as part of a team that really is only being assembled for one day mm. in order to deliver this amazing experience. And so the question that I wanted to ask is, having worked with probably almost every supplier of every type in South Australia over the years, what is the attribute that you notice that other suppliers have that makes it easiest for you to work with them to get an overall great result as a team? It is undoubtedly them to have a friendly nature, someone that is willing to kind of hear my suggestions, but also at the same time give me that reassurance that I suppose they can also give me suggestions and that I'll be able to receive them. So it's basically having that really nice forward-thinking positive personality so that we can just work openly together. I mean, as I mentioned earlier in the uh, in the chat, 
I'm a very positive, upbeat person, quite calm, but always happy and, and, and so on. And if I can work with other people that are of similar nature, then it is just easy for me to get along with them. And then in turn, the professional side of things is just going to be a much easier road to travel down. If you've got someone that is clashing in personalities and it's like this just in, in life in general, it's always a bit of a struggle and it can be quite difficult to try to get to the destination that you're trying to get to, get the objective reached if you're feeling as though the other person is not working with you to get there. So I think for me personally, it's just having another supplier. That supplier might even be the venue that have um, similar goals and a similar outlook on things to me and to be honest with weddings you're right because it's a live venture things can happen and i know that i just keep a very easygoing approach if something should happen i'm ready just to take it on as it happens you need to be open to change and you need to realize that uh yeah that things don't always go to plan and if they don't you just kind of roll with the punches keep smiling and keep moving if you get too worried about it and make a song or dance about it then you're probably going to make things worse so um, I've had little things that have happened in wedding receptions that no one would have dreamed would ever happen, and they've happened, and you just kind of go, oh, well, we'll we'll get to that later when we can do it properly, and uh, for now, let's do this. So that was Ben Ford from DJ Ben Events joining us on the show today. Thank you for listening in, everyone, and if you want to reach DJ Ben, if you do a Google search for DJ Ben Events Adelaide, you'll be able to find him on Google very, very easily. Thank you for listening in, and I'll see you on the next show.